listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the host of today's show. We're recording on location at the 40th Annual Convention and Institutes and Exhibitions of NALA, the Association of Legal Assistants and Paralegals, held this year in Tulsa, Oklahoma, home of NALA headquarters. We're here to cover this important event and the highlights for you. It's very impressive, and it's a huge success. Us. Joining me now for this special report is Stacy Bowers. Stacy, it's great to see you again. We've uh, run into each other at several NALA conventions. You're on the Institute faculty at this convention in the Corporate Law and Commercial Law uh, Institute. Tell our listeners about yourself and the role you're playing at NALA's convention. Um, A little bit about myself. I am from Denver, Colorado, and I first was introduced to NALA a number of years ago when I was a presenter in Oklahoma City. I'm not even sure what year that was. And from there, I became a member of the certifying board, and so I am still currently a member of the certifying board. And then last year, for the first time, I participated as a speaker at the Corporate Law Institute, and for some reason, they invited me to come back again this year and speak for a second time. As far as background about myself, I am a professor at the University of Denver, Sturm College of Law, where I teach in our corporate commercial program. So sort of the link between why me being a speaker at the corporate commercial, that's really what I do um, as an academic at the DU Law School. Okay. Well, they ask you back because you're good. You know that. (laughs) You know that. So anyway, corporate law is a a really broad topic. And just to give you a little bit of background on myself is that I've always worked in a small law firm where we did everything. And so I would maybe set up a corporation in the morning, and then I would work on somebody's estate plan in the afternoon. So I know it's a broad topic. I know that uh, while it may looks simple if you look at a corporate record book or look at the forms that have to be filled out, but it's not. You have to be very careful that you get the right entity and so forth. So uh, what are some of the highlights you're covering in this institute? So I should mention first off, I have a co-presenter at this institute, but some of the highlights we're covering, actually taking into mind what you just said, Vicki, there are many options out there as far as different types of corporate entities. So today's session actually kicked off with an overview of all the various corporate or legal entities that people who are interested in the starting of a business might consider. And Nancy talked about not just how to form those entities, but the pros and cons, the advantages and disadvantages. And even had the opportunity to uh, touch on what is a new entity these days, which is the B Corporation, which is, for your listeners, a for-profit corporation that is also about social responsibility. And so they're in the world to make a profit, but it's not just about for the shareholders, it's also for the social good. So that's how we kicked off today, and then I was able to follow up Nancy and dive into the depth of limited liability companies, because I think in this day, and for many many paralegals in the, the corporate world, the LLC is a pretty common form that they encounter that clients come in and are interested in forming. And so we dug in a little bit deeper about the operating agreement and we're able to do that. But keeping in mind the broad nature of corporate commercial, over the next couple days, we will be talking about things like uh, financial statements, how to be able to take a look at just a balance sheet and income statement, sort of make heads or tails of them for the participants in the institute. 
the last day of the Institute, I'll actually be talking about just some basic uh, corporate drafting skills. So skills that are interchangeable sort of across all of those things you said, whether you're helping to form a corporation and write its bylaws, or maybe you're helping someone write their, their will or trust document in the afternoon. And so skills that are translatable across all fields of corporate law. Okay. Now, one of the things that uh, I know is that corporate law actually lends itself very well to uh, the use of a paralegal. So uh, tell our listeners about the value that paralegals bring to the corporate law arena. I think, well, I think overall paralegals are valuable or I probably wouldn't be involved with NALA, but I think in the corporate field, um, paralegals can really fill step in and fill that role of, um, you know, being in the meetings with the client, hearing what the client is interested in, and sort of being that person that takes the first step of, you know, helping the client form whatever type of entity they've done, do the filing, do the requisite filings, help them get the proper sort of um, governance documents in place. I think when we're talking about something like um, securities law, so I used to be a securities lawyer, and we really relied on our paralegal to help us make sure that we were meeting all the various state securities law requirements. And she was, quite frankly, in our firm, the expert in the field of knowing what does each state require, what do we have to file, what are the requirements for our clients. So I feel like from that perspective, paralegals can really come in and almost, they can be generalists, but they also have the ability to be really specialized and be the go-to person when it comes to specific fields of corporate law. Okay. So, you know, if a paralegal wants to work in corporate law, they choose that area, how can they learn the rules, the ins and outs, the deadlines, and so forth? So I think there are a couple of things. Um, I do think probably many paralegal programs offer the chance for students to take classes that are more geared towards corporate law. But I think um, almost much like lawyers, some of it comes from practice. They get out there and they start practicing as a paralegal, and so they have an opportunity to start learning specialized fields. I think there's always the opportunity with um, continuing education for paralegals to decide, you know what, I really would like to be more focused in this. And then I think about organizations like NALA, where paralegals can come in and they can do the advanced certificates. So I know in particular, I believe NALA has an advanced certificate in corporate commercial law. I believe they have one in contracts. And so I think another way for paralegals to sort of start diving in and becoming more specialized is to take those kind of opportunities. Take those and and show their value, actually, to the employer. Okay, just tell me what you do to make your institute exciting. Is it possible to make corporate law exciting? I think it's possible to make corporate law exciting. I'm not sure everyone in the room. So I was commenting today. I felt like today was a little rough for Nancy and I. We had some dry topics. But I think tomorrow, thinking about how do you sort of get people engaged in an institute like this. So I will be talking about financial statements. But one of the things I'm going to do is once I've done my presentation, I've created an exercise where I'm going to break the room up into small groups. They're going to look at an actual balance sheet, an income statement of a public company. They're not going to know who the company is. And then they're going to have a little blurb that gives them just a few hints and background information and maybe encourages them to look at certain portions of the financial statements. And so I'm going to give them some time to do that. And then we're going to come back together, talk about the companies, how they're doing, and then give the group that was working on that specific company a chance to try and make some guesses about, you know, who is this company? So I find sometimes doing things like that, it gets the room involved. 
And then one of the things I plan to do with my session on Friday about corporate drafting, I feel like sometimes the best way to learn is to see really bad examples of drafting. And so I have some really bad examples that I put up on the slides in the room. And I ask the group to talk about, first of all, do you even know what this is trying to say? And once we figure out what it's trying to say, okay, so now how do we take this and how do we make this better legal drafting? So I guess when I really at the end of the day, I like to try and get the group engaged because I think if you can get them participating, talking to each other, it keeps them more awake through topics that are not the most exciting <laughs> in the world. Right. Now, you mentioned the um, financial statements, and I always think of that part as like, I mean, I look at those numbers and I go, oh my goodness, what am I, you know? I can't make any sense out of this. So what tips do you have? You know, as far as tips go, um, being someone who teaches accounting for lawyers, I think the first thing is to try and get people to realize they shouldn't be intimidated by the numbers and that honestly accounting is no more than adding, subtracting, and maybe a little multiplication and division. So I feel like if you can get them over that hump of not being afraid of numbers and math, and then I think really just taking the financial statements and trying to break them down into the very basics and just give them a little bit of understanding so that the next time they see it, they're like, you know what? I know what an intangible asset is. That's, that's maybe a patent or a copyright. And I think just having a little bit of that base knowledge takes away some of that fear of, oh, my gosh, look at all these numbers and what do they mean? Oh, my gosh, I did terrible in math in high school. Exactly. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay, you talked about corporate drafting. Uh, what are some tips for doing a really good job at drafting corporate documents? So some of the tips I like to share is it's okay to be brief. You don't have to say the same thing over and over again 10 different times. I like to encourage people as much as possible to let go of the legalese, that we live in a world where we don't necessarily need to say heretofore or theretofore or whereas, that we can use more of what we think of as plain English. And I always try and make them understand that plain English is different. I'm not saying you dumb it down, but you just try and use everyday language where it's appropriate. And there are sometimes that's not appropriate. And then probably my other big tip is when possible, write in the active voice because it's always so much easier to read something that's written in the active voice and with positive phrasing versus a passive voice and negative phrasing. Okay. Well, how important are organizational skills for someone working in the area of corporate law? I think organizational skills are crucial, not just some, a paralegal working in this arena, but any arena. So I think when we're talking about corporate law and thinking about filing deadlines and making sure documents flow and are well organized and make sense to the client and just keeping all of sort of the corporate documents together and knowing what's been done and that. So I do think organization is really critical. Right, right. Do ethical responsibilities, I mean, are there any different things that you need to think about when you're practicing corporate law than any other areas? I do think probably one of the biggest ethical things to think about is that Many corporate paralegals, their client is the corporation, but the corporation can't speak for itself. So it has to send particular people who can speak for the corporation. So I think the biggest ethical issue comes in with the fact that you're maybe dealing with the executive officers or if it's a small corporation, the shareholders and owners, and trying to explain to them that while you're talking to them, 
you're talking to them as if they were the corporation and understanding the difference between representing the corporation and representing the individuals. And I think whether a paralegal or anyone in this profession, that can be a difficult task to do. And even harder is to make the client understand the difference between representing them as an officer of a company and representing the company. Right. I teach a, a class for paralegals who work for corporations. And this is kind of off topic a little bit, except that I, I believe that sometimes they have double the ethics because not only do they have the usual ethics that attorneys have to follow, the ethics rules, but then they have the corporate ethics that they set up. So sometimes uh, even... When you're working in the office, you know who the client is? You know, you do. Uh, when you're working in a corporation, you don't always know who the client is. And I understand that that's not drafting corporate documents and that kind of thing, but I think it's a little more difficult for them. I think it's true, and I, I see where you're coming from. So I was sort of speaking as if you were a paralegal in a law firm, but when you're a paralegal in-house, yeah, it's a much blurrier line because you work and are paid for by who is the client, but yet you're accessible to everyone who sort of sits in that corporate office and trying to explain to just the average person who comes up to you with a legally oriented question that, you know what, I can't really answer your question because this is personal, or if I answer your question, I might have to report it to my boss because you're telling me something that could impact the, the corporation, which is truly the client. So I think you are right. It becomes, um, it's almost a, a double duty as far as ethics go. Right. Well, Stacy, that's all the time that we have right now for this special report. Thanks for being with me today. Uh, we're having a great time at the NALA convention, their 40th anniversary, so it's pretty exciting. Now, if listeners want to get in touch with you, if they have questions, is there a way they can do that? Oh, absolutely. Well, so first off, thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. And um, as far as getting in touch with me, Stacy Bowers, and they can always send me an email, and that's going to be S Bowers, S B O W E R S, at law.du.edu. Thanks so much. Thank you, Vicki. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.